it really is about the employees. And right from the get-go with my business partner, we decided that we wanted to change what we saw and knew as a toxic industry. We knew that one of the major things that we had to do was put our employees first. Hi, I'm Nelson Murray, and this is Talking Squarely. In this special Talking Squarely mini-series, we bring together independent business owners to have frank discussions and share their perspectives on some of the most pressing issues impacting their lives and livelihoods. Today, the topic of our show is a recognition of the fact that it's been almost two full years of life with COVID-19, and we're here to explore the renewed focus on mental health both for business owners and their employees. Not only did we face the pandemic, but also the CZU fires. And after the evacuation order was lifted, we learned that our newest CEO, his home was destroyed in the fires. He had a very large family and not only did it deeply affect our CEO, but also our entire community. A large amount of our community was gone and just disappeared within these fires. On top of this, before, during, and after, our business was experiencing the largest growth spurt that our company's seen. That's Krista Abel, owner of Dream Home Images, a luxury real estate company based in Santa Cruz, California. We really was a wake-up call to us, and so we decided that we wanted everybody on our team to have better work-life balance moving forward and really value their time off. Krista says that the pandemic and wildfires helped her reset as a business owner, finding ways to help her employees prioritize and cut down on tasks so they could spend more time with their families. For Avani Modi Sarkar, the last two years have challenged her both as a mother and an entrepreneur. She co-owns Modi Toys, a small business specializing in children's toys, books, and kits inspired by her Indian heritage and culture. I would say I've had the hardest time adjusting probably in the past year. My life has changed both personally and professionally speaking pretty dramatically. The day New Jersey went to lockdown in March, um, I delivered my second baby. And I was thankfully on maternity leave at the time from my then corporate job. But I was then furloughed during my maternity leave and then I was subsequently laid off and basically, I never went back to work after my maternity leave. But, you know, basically, I was at a crossroad. I decided that it's now or never. And I decided to pursue Modi Toys full time instead of going back to corporate America. In January, I found out I was expecting again. And I uh, now have three kids. I think the biggest challenge for me is that the two aspects of my life, motherhood and entrepreneurship, they ask such different things of me. You know, motherhood really forces you to slow down because you're not really in control of so many things. Like your day is not your own anymore. Your time is not your own. And it really just forces you to just slow down and relinquish control. Whereas entrepreneurship really keeps asking you, are you doing enough? Like, should you be doing more? Like, what more could you be doing? And I honestly feel like I'm in this like push and pull constantly. Well, congratulations, first of all, on your newest little one. I'd like to ask you a bit more about that, though. I mean, you're exploring this idea right now of how to balance the tension between being present and being a mother to these young children and also, frankly, 
meeting the needs of a business that is completely yours. And in this case, it is yours and your brother. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. My brother and I co-founded Modi Toys uh, three years ago now because we both became first-time parents um, to our girls. Our girls were born exactly a week apart. And as immigrants, we grew up feeling really connected to our Indian heritage, our culture. So when we became parents ourselves, we felt really clueless in how we were going to pass down the same kind of appreciation and connection that we felt to our kids. And so that's where the idea for our toys um, emerged. And what's really ironic is that we started this business really as a way to help other kids feel connected the, the way that so many of us grew up feeling connected to our culture. But this is the same business is now kind of pulling me away from my kids. It's really ironic how that has happened. But I feel like this business is my fourth baby. And I'm constantly trying to give them all equal attention. Luckily, one doesn't throw a tantrum, but I I feel like I need to still give it love. (laughs) I'd like now to turn to another one of our guests, and that's Tony Vu of Mom Ang from Flint, Michigan. Tony, let's hear your thoughts a little bit about things you've been struggling with with regard to the just ever-changing dynamics of the past year and how you've been coping with those changes, whether it's consumer expectations, changing health guidelines, and potentially the impacts of uh, the pandemic on the lives of your employees. I think coming from Flint, it kind of mentally has uh, prepared, at least myself personally, to take on these crises. Like I'm, I feel like I'm kind of you know battle-ready of sorts. The biggest thing that I think kind of guided me was my employees. I think for me as a leader, being able to, to help guide all my employees and everything through it all, especially with their uncertainty and everything, I think that allowed me to really just kind of step outside of myself and any personal issues that I might have been facing and just deal with it with a solution-based kind of approach and just with a really healthy dose of optimism, which is I've kind of developed as a survival skill. I remember it being in the very beginning, we were shut down. And so my first moves were, were to figure out how I could make sure my employees were okay financially. I was constantly checking in with everyone, making sure that everyone was okay and talking through this and going through it all together. And so I think in the end, that really just kind of got us all through this and why they're still here and why they ended up coming back. And then we're still thriving throughout it all as well. I'm sure that all of our listeners are familiar with very unfortunate stories of horrible customer interactions between employees in the airline industry and in other parts of the service sector. I'm curious, Tony, if given the nature of your business, you have encountered any friction, any experiences with employees that have have been unfortunate or that you've had to adjust your approach to running the business to try to mitigate, whether that's relating to mask guidance or vaccinations, things like that. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of challenges. I think more than anything, it was just the pressures, one of coming back and being in a a public space where you're dealing with the public again, especially after observing so many safety protocols. And so there was a lot of stress involved with how we were going to serve, whether or not we were going to be safe, even down to just like logistical things of like, how can I procure like the best masks to ensure the safety for employees and I don't think any of them really understood the science or anything behind any of the stuff, but even just like little things that that seemed to give them an edge, put them at ease, I tried to provide uh, for them. And so that was more beginning early on as we kind of started to reenter the market and open back up. Fast forward to the summer, people were just so pent up 
ready to go back out and to go eat and everything. And along with that came all kinds of demands. And so we were pretty lucky in that I've heard other horror stories. So for the most part, we didn't have to experience anything that extreme. But there was some tensions and just a lot of kind of uh, a big sense of entitlement that had come out as well. And then there was also the dealing with the reality of the fact that there's a lot of people out there that were anti-vaccine, anti-mask. How do we even deal with this from a service aspect and coming up with different policies on who we could serve, how to turn down people, even the fear that might come down with that as well. It got our, our, our hospitality and the skill set of hospitality that was placed upon my staff, like it got so much more in depth to the point where they were even you had to have like kind of social considerations that they never had to before. You know, Avni, I understand that your business is is direct to consumer, so those dynamics are are quite different than what Tony is experiencing. But I'm here curious if you and Krista have similar or related reactions to trying to support effectively all of the rest of your staff and and their mental health and sense of well being as well at this time, knowing that for each of you, it's in many cases other family members. We do require our employees to come into the office, so we just wanted to make sure that all possible uh, precautions were being taken so we can continue operating as before. Krista, how about you? How are you continuing to support your employees? We created a emergency fund to aid anybody that needs assistance and ensure that we always had fund of funds available as well as funds available to pay people if they get shut down. And through that fund, we've helped an employee find a new apartment when they had a bad living in, uh, situation. We had one employee's car that went out just a few weeks ago, and we were able to get them a new mode of transportation, another reliable car. And in addition to that, to support everybody here, we live in the base, so our, our apartments can be really tiny, and being stuck inside of one all day can be maddening. So we got a new office in downtown Santa Cruz that anybody can come to whenever they need. In addition to that, in the Santa Cruz Mountains, the power goes out all the time lately, frequently. So the new office in Santa Cruz has a generator. If your power comes out, if you need a place just to hang out or to walk around, we have one for you. We work with the most phenomenal team, and without them, I wouldn't have a company. So I owe them everything and whatever I can do to support them to be better. Tony, I want to turn back to you for a moment. What has been, especially as, now this has likely been months ago for you, but what was your biggest worry or stressor as you welcomed customers back into in-person dining? Probably the biggest thing was just our capacity to serve them. We've been very, very fortunate in that we've actually have thrived through the pandemic. And so we've had struggles trying to keep up, I mean, with all our kind of different revenue streams that we created, demand that was created from it all, and then also that being compounded by anticipating when customers would actually come back in. So obviously the biggest one would, 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 is just employees and just, you know, shortage of employees. The industry is going through such a crisis right now. I mean, just the workforce is leaving in droves. And so that really started to shift us. Instead of looking at bottom lines with, with finances, it was bottom lines with just straight up happiness, the mental health and ability of you know, our employees to be able to keep up and not get burnt out. 
And so there was a, a few different instances of us sitting with the leadership and saying, what can we do to support you all? And we really kind of put our employees in a place of where we shared our power, power share, and they were able to kind of chart how they wanted to work, how they wanted the company to work so that it was a more supportive and healthy environment and the demands could be much more easily mitigated by them. And so we ended up opening only four days a week when normally we're open six. You know, it's remarkable to me how listening for each of you has really played a key role in the way that you've adapted to this past 18 plus months. Avni, you talked about going to great lengths to make sure that there were proactive health considerations being monitored. Krista, you talked about not only the office space, but the fund that you've put together. And Tony, you just listed off a few, and I'm sure that there are more things that you did to actually change the actual structure of your your business model to adapt to the needs of your employee base. I'm curious what role empathetic listening has played for each of you beyond that. And if that's something that you really have had to develop even more so as a skill as a business owner to really sustain your business in these times? Or is that something that you think maybe would always have been a part of, of your approach to business? Avni, maybe we start with you. So my brother and I, we are really the, the true two full-time employees that we have. The rest of the team is comprised of either our fulfillment team or someone we have in marketing who works remotely. But really, we are the ones um, who see the business like day in and day out. And I think we probably have to listen to each other the most, um, more than others. And I think in the past year, we've definitely seen some tension brewing between us. So we're still figuring this out, actually, but we have to get to a point where we can better communicate our ideas to each other because he has a very operational mindset. I have a very marketing mindset. Luckily, because of that, we focus on very different aspects of the business. I'm focused on customer acquisition, on product development. He's focused more on just like keeping the engine running on the back end, like working with manufacturers and so on and so forth. But, you know, of course, there are times naturally where we kind of step on each other's toes because I'll have input for something he's working on, vice versa. And it's become a little bit more challenging in working together, I think, because the business has grown so much from where it was three years ago. Like we've now like come to the realization that, okay, like we're at the at the grown-ups table. We're not at the kids' table anymore. We really need to like put some structure in place. Like we can't keep having inventory management issues. We can't keep like selling out and telling our customers, sorry, you know, out of stock, like check back in a few months, especially right now with like shipping. We are trying to figure out exactly what that right communication style needs to be. Krista, I'm curious uh, for, for your thoughts on this notion of whether for you, empathetic listening has really had to kind of become a superpower of yours. And if so, how do you plan to maintain that as you continue to scale your business? Is that scalable, that level of real intimate respect, reception to the needs of your employees? Oh, absolutely. The biggest stressor I've always ran into is how to scale appropriately. And with that, that means that I have actually slowed down the growing to ensure that we have the proper training, proper, you know, time to dedicate to our employees. 
one thing that I have put into place is actually cutting my personal schedule in order to allow for things like on-site training, on-site focusing, one-on-one time with them. And because I feel like this company is kind of like a piece of me, it's my heart, it is my brand, I will always hope I will always have a one-on-one connection with every single person who comes to work with us. It's so important to me to know that they are taken care of and to listen to what they need. Even if it's something that's personal and not work-related, it's still going to affect how they do their work. So it's a commitment that we have. And, you know, like I said, we made big changes throughout the pandemic when I realized, Krista, you are a mother, you're a wife, and you are working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. You need to change that and you need to really practice what you preach. And so with that, I took a vacation with my kid. It was the first time and it was the most wonderful thing in the world. And And an art and a skill that I've had to learn is delegation and really stating what I need from people. And if I can communicate that clearly, they come through for me. And I just think that I am so lucky to be surrounded by this amazing group of individuals with their own unique talents. I'm the lucky one. So I'll never lose that connection. Tony, what do you think? Will you continue to have those kinds of meetings like you described with your entire team to solicit ideas on ways to make the business more hospitable to the needs of your employees? It really is about the employees. And right from the get-go with my business partner, we decided that we wanted to change what we saw and knew as a toxic industry. And we knew that one of the major things that we had to do was put our employees first. And so we spend time with each and every employee um, at every level. We make time to sit down with them, hear them out. And just like uh, Christo was saying, it's, it's not even just about like work. It's just getting to know them. They're getting to know what's going on in their lives. Just establishing that connection to make sure to, to let them know that they are seen. It's it's not, you say it's my business, but I it's not like I want, you know, I'm on owner, you know, it's my food, but at the end of the day, you know, it's our business. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give each of you some space to think aloud about things that could be better. Are there changes that could be made either in your business or perhaps locally in your communities to contribute to a healthier working and and shopping or, or commerce environment? And Tony, maybe we'll start with you. I think the biggest issue in my industry and, and where we're at is just access to housing, affordable access to housing. Everybody wants food, service, all these hospitality-based experiences. But even with a $15 an hour wage, it's just not enough. Avni, what about you? you you're obviously in a, a completely different industry than Tony. What are some things on your mind about room for improvement in your space or maybe even just in the context of your business? Well, in the context of, I guess, just shopping, making it easier for people, one thing that I personally really come to appreciate, especially now as I try to like, you know, get out of the house with a newborn or just all three of the kids is being able to, you know, have curbside pickup available at at pretty much every retail, like whether it's a small business or, or a big box retailer is something that I found to be really, really beneficial because it saves me the trouble of having to lug the car seat and the stroller, going to the stro- going to the store just to pick up like some medicine, for example. 
So if I can just pull up and like send a text like, hey, I'm here and make this the norm going forward, whether or not we're in a pandemic, I think that would be really great. And Krista, what about you? What are some things that are on your mind about ways to improve your industry or your specific business? It's unreasonable in the Bay Area to expect somebody to make $15 an hour and then to truly afford and perform because they can't focus on their basic needs in addition to their rent, like food or their car or whatever it is. I think that, I think times are really changing. And I really do think that in the coming years, we're going to see a lot more bosses and business owners truly connect and really embrace the livable wage and, and the marginalized workers. You know, you give me somebody who has a great attitude and they are going to perform their heart out. This is a, has been a wonderful way to wrap up this conversation. I am so incredibly grateful for the three of your really generous minds and perspectives on life as independent business owners right now and balancing mental health of not just yourselves, but your employees. A special thanks to Krista, Avani, and Tony for sharing their unique perspectives and vulnerabilities regarding mental health and the COVID-19 pandemic. You can learn more about Krista's company, Dream Home Images, on their website, dreamhomeimages.com, and on Instagram and Facebook, at Dream Home Image. You can find Avani's business, Modi Toys, online at moditoys.com. That's M-O-D-I toys.com. And on Instagram and Facebook at Modi Toys. And visit Tony's restaurant, Ma Mang in Flint. And find them on Instagram and Facebook at Ma Mang Flint. That's M-A-M-A-N-G Flint. You've been listening to Talking Squarely, a square production. This episode was produced by Vidya Rao and Clara Shannon. Our music was composed by Jordan Wallace, with sound recording by Sorrentino Media and D.R. Baker. I'm Nelson Murray. Thanks for listening. <laughs>